Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, October 14th, 2018, on the basis of Mark 10, verses 17 through 27. Many doctors will say that they can tell almost immediately, almost instantaneously from the time they walk into a room and start talking to a patient, they can tell how much time that patient has spent on Google. I'm sure you're aware that through the miracle of the internet, almost limitless information about all kinds of things, including about our health and about health care, is right at the tip of our fingers, nothing more than a couple of mouse clicks away. And through services like WebMD, people can go online, they can enter in their symptoms, they can find out what's wrong with them and what will make them better. Sounds great in theory, not so much in real life. You see, sometimes people can drastically overestimate what is wrong with them. They come into the doctor thinking that they're dying, that something drastic needs to be done, when really they simply need a couple of ibuprofen and a good night's rest. On the other hand, sometimes people can drastically underestimate what is wrong with them, and so they put off going to the doctor. They think everything's fine, and then by the time they finally go in, whatever they have is much more difficult to treat. So in all kinds of different ways, it can be problematic when someone goes into the doctor already assuming that they know what is wrong with them and what will make it better. We're in the middle of this series entitled Frequently Asked Questions, looking at Christianity's unique answers to what are really universal questions. And the question that we're going to be looking at today is the one that that man came to Jesus to ask. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to make God happy with me? What must I do to make sure that I end up in heaven with him for all Eternity. We're going to see today how that is, in fact, a universal question, how everyone wants an answer to that question. And yet we'll also see that something else, very, very important, is also universal. You see, when this man came to Jesus with that question, he had a pretty good idea. He already knew what the answer was. And it wasn't because he had spent a lot of time on Google. It was because... An answer to that question is very, very deeply implanted by nature in each and every human heart, including yours and mine. We come to Jesus with that question, and it's like, okay, Dr. Jesus, here are my symptoms. I know what they are. I know what's wrong with me. I know what will make it better. And so if you could just take out your pen and scribble out a prescription for me using that magic, unreadable penmanship that every doctor seems to have, then I'll be able to run over to Walgreens right on my way home from church, go through the drive-thru, get it, and I'll be just fine. If you could do that for me, Jesus, that would be just great. But as is often the case, Jesus doesn't respond the way that we think he's going to respond. Jesus responds to this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life with a very surprising diagnosis and a very surprising prescription? This isn't as simple as take some of this and then call me in the morning. It isn't something that can be fixed with a little bit of better diet and exercise. No, Jesus shows us that drastic intervention is needed. And thankfully, that's exactly what he came to provide. As we look at these verses from Mark this morning, we're going to see this, that Jesus loves you enough to cut your heart right out. What must I do to inherit eternal life? It might sound a bit odd to refer to that as a universal question. Do people care about going to heaven as much as they used to? Between our constant obsession with the idea that we can make this life right here, right now, all that we want it to be, and our assumption that everyone sort of automatically goes to heaven anyways, right? we maybe would be inclined to think that the answer to that question is no. 
that people aren't quite as concerned about this as maybe they were at one time. But this man's story sort of proves otherwise. We hear about this man in three of the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell us about this incident in Jesus' life. And from those three accounts, we learn three things about this man. That he is rich, that he is young, and that he is powerful. Now, in our day and age, we kind of look at people like that with a little bit of suspicion. Must be greedy and materialistic. Must be a workaholic. Must have his entire life revolve around his job and around earthly success and fortune, or maybe he just lied, cheated, and stole his way to get to the top. But realize that that kind of suspicion is a little bit unique to our day and age. In plenty of other times and places, including in Jesus' day, great success, even great wealth, were a sign of good character and even a sign of God's favor. On top of that, if you had great wealth, you could do more good in the world, right? The more you have, the more you can help others out. I mean, let's be honest. Which is better? Which deserves more credit? The billions of dollars that someone like Bill Gates gives to charity or that 50 cents that I put in the bucket outside the grocery store that one time. And so this man has it all, and this man is able to do a great deal of good with his wealth. As we'll see in just a second, this man is firmly convinced that he has lived nearly a morally flawless life, and yet, the interesting thing is, here he is. Here he is, and in fact, Mark tells us that he runs to catch up with Jesus, that he falls at Jesus' feet to ask this question. Here is a man who, even though he has it all, knows he is still lacking something, and here is a man who is desperate to find out what it is. And so is the question about eternity still a universal one? Absolutely it is. We might tell ourselves that it's not. Plenty of people might try and ignore it or treat it as though it's not important. We might even try and sort of confine it to just this little compartmentalized area of our life, this checkbox that we already have checked off. And yet, make no mistake, friends, that word eternity is written in big, bold letters, all capitalized across the landscape of our hearts, and it is hard to ignore it for too long. In fact, the reality is that no matter what might happen to us during our 70 or 80 years of this life, whether it is good or whether it is bad, nothing can replace our desire for certainty about this question. Where am I going to spend my eternity? People might try and get around it. They might try and dodge it. But even if we achieve all of our wildest hopes and dreams, even if we get everything that we're looking for out of life, nothing will be able to satisfy us unless this question about eternity is answered. This man's story is proof, and we could find plenty of contemporary counterparts. People who have all the wealth, all the success, all the fame, all the fortune that you could possibly imagine who would still tell you that something is missing from their lives. But in contrast, you get this question settled. And you put it right at the middle of your life. You make it the sun around which everything in your life orbits. You make it the foundation on which your life is built. You make it the anchor that holds you in place. And suddenly, anything that might happen to you during the 80 years of your life on earth suddenly becomes much more manageable. Make no mistake, this question about eternity is still very much a universal one. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, so what's the answer? As I said before, when the man came to Jesus with this question, it seems as though he was pretty certain he already knew. That's indicated in the way that he refers to Jesus. He calls him good teacher. So here's a man who knows what it means to be good, and and hopefully he can tell me and teach me that as well. 
You see it in the specific way that he asks the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And you certainly see it in the response that he gives to Jesus' initial answer to his question. You see, Jesus sort of feeds into his assumptions right off the bat. He says, well, you know what the commandments say. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, and look at how the man responds. I've I've done all those things since I was a boy. In other words, the man is saying, Jesus, I've already tried this treatment and there's something still missing. There must be something I'm neglecting, something I'm overlooking, some area of my life where I need to try harder. And good teacher, I'm assuming that you can help me find out what it is. And that's when Mark tells us something very important. He makes a very important statement. He says that Jesus looked at the man and loved him. In other words, Jesus could look right into the man's heart and see what was there, and Jesus loved him enough to help the man see it as well. And there's a reason that's such an important statement, because if you're going to pull out a razor-sharp scalpel and suddenly cut out someone's heart, it better be because you love them. And that's exactly what Jesus does next. He says to the man, Go sell everything that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. See, just like a skilled and perceptive doctor, Jesus could see right into this man's heart, and he could see that he loved his money. In fact, he could see that it occupied the number one most important place in his heart. And Jesus wanted the man to see it too, because in seeing that, the man would have an answer to his question. See, if someone is going to be worthy of eternal life. It starts out with the very first and most important commandment. Love God above all things. Simple, really. The God who made you, the God who designed you, who made you exactly how you are, the unique person that he designed you to be, the God who has given you every single good thing that you have in your life. Love him more than you love anything else. It's, it's simple. It makes perfect sense. The problem is, that for fallen human beings, it's absolutely impossible. And Jesus simply wanted the man to see that. Wanted to see how he had fallen short. In fact, there's a little bit of irony in Jesus' words. He says to the man, one thing that you lack. There's just one thing. Sounds like good news, right? One thing that you're missing. But turns out that one thing is the very first thing. That one thing is the most important thing. That one thing is absolutely everything. So here's sort of the the dangerous and, frankly, quite terrifying question that these verses from Mark suggest to us this morning. What would Jesus have told you to go and do? If Jesus were to look deep down into your heart, and of course he surely does, and if Jesus loved you enough to want you to know what is there, and of course he does, What would Jesus have told you to go and do? How would he cut out your heart like he did for this man? See, it's easy for us to assume, just like he did, that we kind of know the answer to this big eternity question. It's kind of natural, almost inevitable for us to sort of form our own little checklist of good things that we need to do in order to inherit eternal life. And of course, from the very time that we form that checklist, it's because we know that we're pretty good at keeping that checklist. Act this way, treat other people that way, vote this way, talk this way, go to church every Sunday, check, 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 check. And then it's very easy for us to come to Jesus knowing exactly what we need from him. 
to approach him in prayer, to open up his word, to walk through the doors of church, thinking we know what we need. Well, surely there are, are some areas that we need to work on. Certainly there are some problem areas where we should try harder, and I suppose a little bit of guidance would be nice. And, and an inspiring pep talk to go out there and do our best, that, that would be great. Certainly can't hurt, right? But then Jesus comes along and he answers this question in a completely unexpected way. Just like he did for this man. He pulls out his razor-sharp scalpel and cuts out our heart. He, he wants us, through his law, to see what is in there. To see what occupies that one place that is reserved for God alone. And so what would it be? Would it be wealth and possessions like it was for this man? Would it be a job, a career, an, an educational path? Would it be friends? Would it be popularity? Would it be the reputation that you enjoy? Would it be a spouse? Would it be kids? What would it be? What would Jesus want to cut out? Because right now it is in the place that it has no business being. It's easy to think that as we come to Jesus, there's, there's just a little bit that we need. That we need just a, a little bit of help. But Jesus answers differently. Jesus wants us to know, sure, there's just one thing that we lack. But that one thing is the first thing. That one thing is the most important thing. That one thing is everything. Of course, no one wants to hear that, right? No one wants to go to the doctor and find out that it's way worse than they thought it was. No one wants to walk through the door of a church as we do almost every Sunday and right off the bat confess, I am by nature sinful and I've sinned against you in my thoughts, words, and deeds and I deserve nothing from you, God, but wrath and punishment. No one wants to hear that. And so it's no surprise that when the man heard Jesus' surprising diagnosis and surprising prescription, he simply walked away, shocked and sad. He would rather hold on to his money than admit that he loved it too much. But what's interesting to note is that he wasn't the only one surprised and saddened by Jesus' words. The disciples were as well. You see, they too figured that if anyone was worthy of eternal life, certainly this man was. And when they found out from Jesus that he wasn't even close, they started to wonder who was. They asked Jesus, who then can be saved? And that's when Jesus could finally get to the point. That's when he could make the point that he would have loved to have made with that man had he not walked away first. Jesus says, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are impossible. In other words, yes, when it comes to this eternity question, there is nothing you can do. You bring nothing to the table, and that's exactly the point. Because only when you realize that you have nothing can you possibly receive everything. And everything is exactly what Jesus wants to provide. Friends, this incident from Jesus' life is one of the reasons why we look at these commands of God that Jesus cites in these verses and we use them the way that we do. God's commands are not an instruction manual for how to make God happy with us or how to get to heaven. God's commands are a razor-sharp scalpel that cut us wide open and expose our sin. This is also one of many examples why Martin Luther and why we as Lutherans answer this eternity question the way that we do. What must I do to inherit eternal life? The answer we give is sola fide. 
faith alone. In other words, bring nothing. Come completely empty-handed. Receive everything. Approach God in prayer. Open up his word. Walk through the doors of church completely empty-handed. Why? So that you can grab onto and hold onto for dear life everything that Jesus has done for you. His perfect life of obedience. Offered up to God on your behalf. His innocent death on the cross. Offered as a perfect and complete sacrifice for our sins. Come to Jesus so that he can take that razor-sharp scalpel of the law and cut out your heart. Also that he can fill that void and provide the only healing that can possibly make it better. His unconditional love for us and the perfect work that he did on our behalf. Friends, when it comes to all of the questions, especially the spiritual ones that qualify as frequently asked, this one's a biggie. Maybe the biggest one of them all. What must I do to be saved? Rest assured, you get that question answered. You put it right at the middle of your life and everything else is going to fall into place. But make sure that when you come with that question, you don't come with your own assumptions about the answer. That you don't listen to your instincts. That you don't listen to the world around you. That you don't even look to Google. Instead, trust Jesus. He loves you enough to cut your heart right out. Exactly what we all need. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.